The views and opinions expressed in the following episodes are those of the individuals and are not meant to insult or offend anyone. Jeez, dark and gloomy much? Are you trying to be an edgelord? Well, then how should I put it then? I don't know. How about... We come in peace. We mean no harm. We may spoil some things. We may swear a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Little Nerdy. I'm your host, Michelle. Oh, and me, Tiana, <laughs> again. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize I was to go. <laughs> Sorry, that's like my bad, too, because I'm so used to Owen being like, and her co-host, Owen, who is not here. <laughs> kind of left me just, uh, you threw the ball and I just didn't catch it. <laughs> you know, sometimes I do that. I just threw it and then went over your head. It's, it's, uh, it happens. So, as you guys can tell, no Owen tonight. We have Tiana instead. And that's okay. Um, I mean, we're sad Owen's not here, but like, we'll survive. It'll be okay. Um, at least it's not another like solo episode, guys. Um, (laughs) you've been spared. Um, okay. So first off, want to give a big shout out to our friend Black White Check for our intro and outro music. You are amazing. (laughs) Um, also real quick. This is a special, like, Friday episode, but we're going to actually cover, like, a true crime case, I think, today. Because you and I are into true crime. Yep. Owen. Eh. We've talked about Owen before. (laughs) Just his empathy. He's got a lot of empathy for stuff. I mean, so do we, but, you know. We don't want to go kick people's butts when we're done. No. Sometimes we do. But I think it's mostly between, like, with us, we find the the psychology aspect of it very interesting. Yeah, absolutely, and stuff. But I did want to just quickly mention that yesterday, um, May 5th, was actually Red Dress Day. And for those of you that don't know, I believe it's a national day in Canada now. And it... Um, it's where dress red dresses are displayed, either in trees or along roadways and stuff, and it's just to bring awareness for the missing and murdered Indigenous women and Two-Spirit people, I believe, um, in our country. So, just wanted to take a minute um, to mention that, because I think it's important. So, alright, moving on to our case. <laughs> if I say the name Pamela Hupp, does that make you think of anything? Uh, well, you know what? I didn't know her last name. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something I learned today. Um, the only thing, honestly, that I know from it, of, of her name, um, is honestly because I've been watching shows on, like, like the streaming service, right? Yeah. And it was, like, different um, trailers and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this seems interesting. But beyond that, I hadn't heard nothing prior to seeing the commercials for it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I first heard about this case when it was kind of happening. And I like, because I watch Dateline. I don't watch it a lot now because I don't have cable. But when I had cable, I watched it a lot. And I got to say, one of my favorite Dateline 
correspondence, if you will, Keith Morrison. That man's voice. (laughs) There are three men I wish could narrate my life. Morgan Freeman. I was like, your grandpa? (laughs) Morgan Freeman. My adopted grandpa. (laughs) I have adopted him. Bill Curtis. And I don't know if you know who that is. No, I don't. Oh, I'm, I might. I'm not really great with names, honestly. That is true. Um, <laughs> did you ever watch American Justice? No. Okay. So American Justice was a show, I think it was, a, it came back in the 2000s, but it was around in the 90s for sure. And uh, it was a true crime hmm. show where uh, each episode, Bill Curtis would lay out a case from like start to finish, including court. They would interview police, whatever. His voice was like, it's like butter. <laughs> I have to go check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's amazing. And then Keith Morrison. Have you ever heard Keith Morrison's voice? It's certainly possible. I'm going, okay, we're going to pause. And I'm just going to play you a clip. Okay. I've now been educated on the buttery voices of these men you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Because I showed you Keith Morrison, mm-hmm. which you said you thought you recognized. I actually think, well, his face I recognize, um, but the Bill, what's his name? Bill Curtis. Bill Curtis. I actually recognize that voice. Yeah. So. And that's fair. And stuff. But yeah. So anyway, Keith Morrison, he did the episodes about Pam. Mm. And they became more than one episode. And I think they actually changed the names of them. Because now when you look it up online, it's called The Thing About Pam. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Dateline episode. They also have a podcast that Keith Morrison did. That was The Thing About Pam. Oh, okay. And then, of course, like you were saying, they just released um, a, sh- a sh- show, a TV show. Mm-hmm. Of, like, people acting. Right? Yeah. Not, not a Dateline episode. Um, of... A thing called Pam, or the thing about Pam, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that actually stars Renee Zellweger as yeah. Pamela Hupp. And I thought, have you have you haven't seen it yet? I, I want to see it, but I okay. haven't yet. So I don't want to spoil too much of that. I mean, obviously, I'm going to spoil a little bit oh, going into the details of the mind. case. But, um, I thought Renee Zellweger did a, an amazing job of playing Pam. Like just mm. from the things I've seen and the way she's been described. And stuff. I definitely think that, yeah, I think that she did a really good job. So, uh, all right, let's get started into the case, shall we? So, I'm not going to go into, like, Pam's backstory, because I could honestly, I'm going to sound like a dick, but I could care less. (laughs) There's a TV show. (laughs) You know what, fair I don't want to take away from, like, the TV show or the Dateline episodes. Yeah. So I don't want to go too much into that, right? I'm just basically here to, like... Talk about the case itself. Yeah. Which, Mm -hmm. by the way, look at that photo of her. Looks scary. (laughs) Her 2019 Correctional Center photo looks scary. I just kind of left you with complete silence. (laughs) Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot that this was a 
a talk only show. <laughs> I was taking in the picture. <laughs> oh, she looks uh looks terrifying. Um, that's all I gotta say. So anyway, <clears throat> basically, there was this family, the Ferrera family. I believe that's how you say their last name, Ferrera, Feria. Maybe it's Feria. And Pam was friends with a lady named Betsy. Betsy? Betsy. Betsy. <laughs> yeah. I love the name Betsy. It sounds so wholesome. <laughs> and stuff. And from everything I've heard, Betsy was a pretty wholesome person. She had two daughters. Right. Um, she had married a man named Russ. And that was her husband at the time that this crime occurred. Okay. And stuff. Um, Betsy... <laughs> So they're all kind of living in Troy, Missouri, right? Which is like bumfuck nowhere, <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> like, it sounds like it's really small. Like, maybe right. it would be like the equivalent of like Stetler. Okay. If I had to guess, right? So anyway, um, <laughs> Betsy was ill, terminally ill with cancer right sad very sad and stuff but she was going to chemo and like trying right and stuff and every i believe it was every friday night she would um sorry her husband russ would go to his friend's house and play like D and D and some other games maybe smoke a little weed maybe have a <laughs> cup you know a drink right yeah whatever but so like a guy's night. Yeah. A guy's night, right? And there was usually like five of them over at the one friend's house, right? And that's what was <laughs> happening on this particular night. Um, um <clears throat> yeah, so on December twenty second, twenty eleven, for some reason, Betsy changed the beneficiary of her $150,000 life insurance, right? And what's weird about it is she worked at State Farm at one point. I don't know if she was still working there by that point, but she had worked there with Pam. Okay. So this is how they knew each other. Then. Yes. Okay. They had originally been co-workers and then they kind of became friends. Hey, like us. <gasps> oh, ah! Murder me. <laughs> <laughs> the murdering days <laughs> um and whatnot but what's weird is she changed the beneficiary from her husband russ to pam that's kind of odd yeah right so on december 27th of 2011 27th? Is that what you said? Yes. Oh, okay. So, make sure I'm getting dates right. Two days after Christmas. <sighs> Sorry. <clears throat> Throat's dry. Um, Betsy went for chemotherapy, and then she went to visit her mom. Right. Now, the original plan, my understanding of it was, anyway, from what I've seen, <coughs> is that Russ was going to come and pick... Betsy up from her mom's after his game night. Right. 
Okay. So she told Pam she didn't need a ride home. She had a ride home. But Pam just showed up at Betsy's mom's. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're really good friends. I would do anything for you. But if you told me that you had a ride somewhere... You wouldn't just show I wouldn't up, right? Just, like, it wouldn't make sense. No. You, if, if you had to call me last minute and be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry my ride fell through or whatever, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but you wouldn't just show up after being told, I don't need a ride. No. Yeah. That's being a little weird. Like, Yeah, that's odd behavior. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just making sure. <coughs> so, but, so Betsy texts or calls Russ or whatever and says, well, Pam's here to get me, so, and he's like, oh, okay, cool. That's great. Think nothing of it, I guess. Makes sense, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, right. And he may not know the circumstance of like, hey, Pam just showed up. Mm -hmm. Right. Either. Yeah. So anyway, Pam drops Betsy off at home. They call Pam's husband. Wish him a Merry Christmas from the car. And then she like leaves. Right. Russ leaves his game night I think he makes a couple stops he definitely stops and gets some food right he comes home to find Betsy dead on the floor I believe it was on the floor and she had a knife sticking out of her um yeah he says in the 911 call that he thinks that she killed herself. Right. By stabbing herself in the neck? Yeah. Um, I feel like that would be not my first thought if I saw someone stabbed in the neck. It wouldn't be mine either, but let's be fair. We're also true crime people. Right? So we hear a lot about, or we've seen a lot about... <clears throat> what a completed suicide would look like over a murder. Right. Fair. And stuff. Also, I'm sure, like, he lives in Troy, Missouri. Yeah, it's not like, you like in a small town, it's, yeah, less, it's less likely for murder to be. Yeah, right, and stuff. So he's probably thing. not thinking that and stuff. He's probably just thinking, like, oh, maybe she was in, like, maybe his first thought And, I mean, this is all in seconds, so this would be really quick. But maybe his first thought was, like, oh, my gosh, she was in so much pain from her cancer, cancer, right, and stuff. But, um, so he called 911, and he's like, I found my wife. She killed herself. You can find the 911 call online, and Mm -hmm. it's, like, he's distraught in it. And I tend not to, I have a hard time judging how someone is on a call, Mm -hmm. like a 911 call, or how people react with grief, because everybody reacts differently, but he sounded like his grief made sense to me, if if you will. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he sounded upset. He sounded worried. That right? would be logical <laughs> reaction to yeah. be worried and upset that your wife is <laughs> laying on the floor with a knife in her neck. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, cops show up. Right? And this was at, at around, like, 940 that he got home. Right? Mm-hmm. He was at his friend's house from 6 to 9. Right, he had, there was definitely a receipt that he had gone to the Arby's sometime between leaving his friend's house and getting home. And stuff. So 9.40, the 911 call comes in. Cops show up. They instantly take him down to the station to question him. 
Makes sense. Yes, usually most of the time, not all of the time, but a, a lot of the time it's yeah. <laughs> generally the spouse or partner of the person who's been killed. Yeah. And stuff. Um, but or the, at least the first subject, or first suspect anyway. Yeah, definitely. They're always going to rule out the closest people to yeah. you first and usually your spouse or yeah. significant other would be the one. Um <laughs> The cops were perplexed, though, on why he had said that this was a potential suicide. Mm-hmm. Because not only was the knife sticking out of her neck, but she was stabbed 55 times. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh... See, that's even more odd. It is, but again, did he get down, and like... And check all... Okay. And check, right? Like, you see blood, mm-hmm. you see a knife sticking out of someone, you're just like, oh my god. Right. Yeah. But I feel like... <laughs> Seeing someone's body, yeah, with how many did you say? Fifty-five. Fifty-five stab wounds would almost be obvious. Like that's a lot, yeah, of wounds. Well, yeah, and it was so stabbed over. Sorry, over fifty-five times. It wasn't even fifty-five. It was over, and her wrists were slit as well, and then her like plus the knife was like left in her neck, right? Mm -hmm. So. That's actually weird, too. Like, a lot of um, shows that I've seen um, where someone's been, sadly, uh, murdered or, or whatever, is the weapon is never still usually stuck in in the body still. It's rare. Yeah. It is rare. I know it happens, but yeah. it's, it's kind of Usually rare. the weapon is gone. Yeah. Right, most likely. Which makes sense, I guess, <laughs> in the killer's perspective. <laughs> yeah. want evidence found. Exactly. So... The cops aren't buying his story. Right. Mm. Now, I don't know if it was to this extreme, but in the show, they show that, like, they go racing from, like, the Arby's, right, to his house to see if he could make it in the time from the, you know, and all this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they did do some of that kind of stuff, right? But, like, it was very exaggerated in the show, right? But they don't believe him. And they arrest him. <laughs> Right. They arrest him the day after uh, Betsy's death. Right. And they said to him, we don't believe you. It's ludicrous that you would say that she killed herself, right, or had uh, completed suicide because... Mm, I understand there's suspicion anyway. Yeah. So, police searched the house, right? They found... One pair of blood-stained slippers in the closet. Okay. We're going to come back to those slippers. Okay. But they find the slippers. Um, they also... I think they found, like, a little bit of blood on a light switch, right? But that's, like, it. For, like, blood around the house. Which is a little weird... Like, I mean, obviously there was blood within, like... The area where... The area where the attack occurred, right? And stuff, but... They, like... If... If if Russ did it... Okay, let's think about this for a second. If Russ did it, Mm -hmm. it means that he, what, was naked? (laughs) When he... Yeah, because that would be a lot of blood splatter and... Because it was 9.40 when he called, you said, right? 9.40 when he called. And he left the house at, at 9. 9. For that amount of time for him to drive there, 
kill her, clean up everything seems right. a little ludicrous. Not to mention the fact that he had a time-stamped receipt from Arby's. Right. So whatever time he went to Arby's, I I don't remember. It was it would have been sometime after 9, though. Like, let's say 9.15. Mm-hmm. So now you're cutting that window down. Even more. Even more. And how are you going to... I'm sorry, there's blood splatter, right? How are you going to stab someone 55, over 55 times and not get blood... Anywhere else. Anywhere else. Like, you just wore your slippers. Well, it's going to go in the roof and, like, yeah. you're pulling away, right? Like, yeah. when you're when you're stabbing, sort of be gruesome, I guess. But, like, no, it's going to be splattering everywhere and you're going to have to try and figure out how to clean all of that up. Well, and you're going to have to figure out how to get it off yourself. That too. Right. So either he was naked or he, how did he dispose of the clothing? Right. And stuff. Why is there not, I mean, if he had blood on his slippers. Mm-hmm. Right. Why is there not, like, a trail of blood through the house? Mm. Right. Because they found the slippers in his closet. Hidden in his closet. Right. So it's just weird. Yeah. But whatever. So they, he, he fails his polygraph test, which, hmm, Mm. I'm going to go on the record as a lot of true crime. I mean, I'm not a true crime podcaster, but by any means, but I listen to a lot of true crime. And I'm going to go on the record to say this. Don't do a polygraph test. Right? Get a lawyer. Yeah. Let your lawyer help you make those decisions, right? Don't even listen to me saying not to do it. But get a lawyer, first and foremost. Whether you're innocent, whether you're guilty, get a lawyer. It's your safest bet. Yes. And stuff. Because polygraphs are not, at at least definitely in Canada, are not admissible in court. No. Right. And it's because they are, the accuracy of them is questioned. Yeah. Right. And stuff, and it's kind of seen almost, I don't know if pseudoscience is the right word, but it's definitely not, like, something like uh, DNA. Mm-hmm. That's, like, a home run. It is what it is. Yeah. There's no disputing it. And stuff. So, yeah, so they arrest Russ. And I think they're thinking the motive was the life insurance policy. He was pissed off. But he wouldn't get anything. Well, he won't get anything now, but that's why he's mad. Mm. Because he was going to be, he was the beneficiary. Right, before. But now, she changed it. So, no. I'm mad now, so I'll kill you. So that seems a little weird, too, because it's like he's not getting, like, I understand being angry, but, like, yeah, there are, are other things he could do. He could talk to her or do anything like that. It's like he's literally getting nothing out of not that I say murder is ever okay, but, like, he's no. literally getting nothing out of doing that when he gets nothing. Yeah. So. He. He gets a lawyer. He ends up getting this lawyer, Joel Schwartz, right? Seems like a good lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. And. One of the things that it shows in the show, and again, I'm not trying to give away too much from the show, Hmm. but I think it makes a good point, is it shows, like, because they start interviewing people that knew Betsy, right? Okay. And stuff. And uh, Russ hasn't been able to make his, um, like, they arrested him and then they let him go, and then they arrested him again after her funeral and charged him. And he couldn't make his bail, so now he's stuck in prison, right? Mm. 
but they're interviewing people and they interview Pam. And I'm just going to say this because it's a lot to get into. And I think the show, um, and the Dateline episode probably get into it pretty good, but her statements are all over the place. Like, oh, I didn't know him. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, oh, well, Betsy kind of talked about her marriage and this is what she said. And then like, it was just all over the place. Right. <laughs> And stuff. And she'd be like, she, I guess she'd had an accident or something. And so she had like a memory problem. And I'm using air quotes for memory problem because I don't know that she actually did have one. Mm. I don't necessarily think that maybe she wasn't in the accident. But I wonder if she was like, you'll learn about Pam. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe she was like playing it up a bit mm. or whatever. But if something, if she was questioning... But about her statement, she'd be like, well, I'm disabled. Yeah. Right. And stuff. I have a memory problem and whatnot. So anyway. um, But Joel, he interviewed the four friends that Russ was with that night. And they were like, yeah, he was with us, right? Mm -hmm. And stuff. And again, sorry, back to what I was saying. One of the things that the show did really well is they showed how small, because Joel wasn't from Troy. He was from a bigger city. Um, but Troy was so small that it shows, like, the uh, prosecuting attorney, Leah Askley, she's, like, having a birthday party for her kid, and, like, the judge is there. Like, the judge is going to end up being the presiding judge on the case. Right. I think there's a couple jurors that are there. Like, it's such a small town. Mm, yeah. Right. And stuff. So, anyway. They go to court. Pam is, like, the star witness for the prosecution. Right. Like, wouldn't it... Oh, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, you're good. Wouldn't it, like, be... I obviously don't know the full thing, story, like yeah, full story. But I feel like with the inheritance changing, to the life insurance, yeah, sorry, yeah, sure, inheritance. No, nope, you're good. <laughs> insurance, um, going to Pam and Pam being the last one to have been reported seeing her, yes, would make her extremely suspicious and a suspect. So, yes. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> Normally, yes. Yeah. And Joel Schwartz absolutely was like, what the fuck we doing about Pam, guys? Yeah. And Leah Askley's like, what about her? <laughs> right. Like, she's fine. And he's like, no, like, I want her, like, he got her, he was able to get, like, cell phone triangulations and figure out that she, A, went into the house when she said she hadn't gone into the house. Mm -hmm. B, she started calling, because she told the police that she started calling Pam, and she, or, sorry, started calling Betsy, and she thought it was weird because Betsy wasn't answering. And so then she called Betsy's mom and was like, do you know if Betsy's okay? Right? And she's like, no, I haven't heard from her. And she's like, oh, well, I just got home, and I'm supposed to call her when I get home. But I just want to let her... No, I was home safe. Nah, she must have passed. Like, I I got her all laid out on the couch and comfy and stuff, so she must have just fallen asleep. She wasn't at home when she started making those phone calls. Hmm. She was just very close to the house. 
still to mm -hmm. Betsy's house, right? So he's seeing things and he's like, ah, but he's being evidence blocked mm. by the judge who won't allow it. Right. <laughs> judge and prosecutors, uh, friends for life. Right. I see that's, that's shitty. Awful when that stuff happens. It's like. Yeah. If you can't be impartial as a judge, you should recuse yourself and have a different judge do it. That's just the way it is, right? Absolutely. So, Russ is found guilty. Right. And he was sentenced to life plus 30 years. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and actually, if you want to know, because I bet you you're kind of wondering, well... Didn't his four friends, like, testify, saying that he was there? Well, night? you mentioned that he was questioned. They were questioned, right. They also, I don't think that, I don't know if they actually put him on the stand, because one of Leah Askley's big things was that they were complicit in the murder. Oh, like they participated in it. Well, they knew about it for sure, and that it was potentially possible that, um, yeah, like that... They, because they knew it was going to happen, Russ went home and killed Betsy, and one of them went and drove and got Arby's with his phone so that the phone records tracked. They had his phone. Oh, okay. Right. So it was like this whole thing. And stuff. But none of those guys were ever charged with anything because, like, they couldn't really prove it. That was just her theory. Yeah. Right. And stuff. So they finally get so sorry to go back i, I, oh, yeah. I hate to stop you no you're while good you're going um you say that he was um convicted yes based on what like they have these things but do they have Circum actual like circ circumstantial like well they have his slippers right that have blood on them mm -hmm. that's it <laughs> i think that's about it and, I mean, I guess her daughters did testify that, like, yeah, some, I mean, his, his one stepdaughter testified that, like, he was kind of an asshole. Mm. But what they convicted him on most was Pam's testimony. And by this time, so Pam's, te like, Pam, when she was initially, sorry, I like saying her name that way, Pam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pam, when she was initially, like, questioned, like I said, it was like, ah, oh, I didn't really know him. He's Betsy's husband. By the time she gets on the stand, oh my God, he was abusive towards her. He was, he was just horrible. Like, um, I think she even testified at one point that her and Betsy had a sexual relationship. But they weren't lesbians. She made clear that they weren't, like, and that's her talking, guys, like, Nobody in this room cares about that kind of stuff, but um, they were just filling a void for each other. But Russ found out and he like pushed her up against a wall and was like, if you ever touch my wife again, like I'll kill you or something. Right. Mm. One of the other things that Pam did that was a little weird is so she said, yes, Betsy put the life insurance in my name, but it was she didn't trust Russ with the money. So it's for her daughters. So right before they went to trial. For us as trial, she opened a 
um, trust for the girls and put the money in it. Okay. After he was convicted, she closed the trust and emptied it. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean by, like, it was Pam's testimony, essentially, right? Because they weren't allowed to introduce any evidence that Pam could have been a perpetrator. Right. They didn't have any real physical evidence. Like, they had drain swabs. Right. But they had a guy come on and testify and say, yeah, we totally found blood when we sprayed luminol. But we can't show you those photos because they got corrupted. Mm. Right. So we don't have them. And stuff. Now, another thing that Joel Schwartz thought was really weird was the blood on the slippers found in the closet. It wasn't like a normal blood, like, spatter on the top of the... It was like they had been dipped into blood. Hmm. It's almost like purposely... <laughs> dipped into the blood. And then placed. And then, yeah. <laughs> and stuff, right? Yeah. So, Yeah. Like I said, found guilty, 30 years, or life in prison plus 30 years, right? Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, basically, Joel, he appealed the conviction, right? And in 2015, the Missouri Court of Appeals, um... Basically sent it back to, like, the original court, if mm -hmm. you will. But that judge that was on the original case recused herself. Like, mm. finally having a smart idea. <laughs> right. So then there was a different judge, right? Um, a judge from, she was from, like, the 45th Circuit, and this guy was from, like, the 22nd Circuit. And he granted the new trial. Right. Based on, I don't know if it was based on any evidence that had really emerged, but kind of, because by then they had done a deposition for a civil trial where Betsy's daughters were suing Pam for that money. Okay. Because she testified in court, right, that Betsy... Switch the policy so that she could make sure that the girls got the money. Right. And she opened a trust and, and then, then she closed she it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about Pam is her and her husband were house flippers. So they would, like, buy a shitty home, fix it up, mm -hmm. sell it for a profit, blah, blah, blah. Right. So that money from that life insurance policy could probably buy a house to flip. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway... Some of the things that she said in that deposition were not good, right? Because that's kind of the difference between, like, a civil trial and a criminal trial. Um, the best example I can use for it is, like, the O.J. Simpson trial, mm. right? I mean, in this case, it doesn't really matter because she testified in both. Right. And she wasn't the defendant in one. But, for example, with the O.J. Simpson trial... He did not testify during his criminal case. But a few years after he was found not guilty, um, I believe it was both families, so the Goldman and the Brown families, sued him for wrongful death. 
Right. You don't get the choice to not testify in a civil trial. Mm-hmm. You have to. Right. But the burden of proof is a lot less in civil court. Like 51%. Yeah. Versus a criminal where it's with like you, if you have reasonable doubt you're not supposed to find someone guilty, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> now they have this evidence plus now he's not going to be evidence blocked. So he can put in the evidence of Pam potentially being a perpetrator, the last person to see her, these weird phone calls, right? right. And stuff. Now, meanwhile, while this is going on, Dateline decides to run a story on it. Right. And they had a producer. I think her name was Carol. Hmm. Karen, maybe? Hmm, hold on. Let me see if I can find it. I couldn't find it, but I think her name was Karen. Okay. Karen or Carol. But we'll we'll go with Karen. And if it's wrong, I apologize. And stuff. So she was a producer for Dateline, right? So she's contacting people to see if they can interview them, whatever. And they actually ended up doing five total episodes on Dateline about this case, right? So the first one came out in 2014, and that was The House on Sumac Drive. Then there was Game Night in 2015, Return to Game Night in 2016, Stranger Than Fiction in 2016, and The Thing About Pam in 2019. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I thought that they just grouped them all together and called them The Thing About Pam. <laughs> but no, they're all separate ones, obviously, as things came to light. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Pam was not happy about being on Daylight because they didn't necessarily paint her in the best light. Now, here's the thing about those shows. They're going to paint you in the light of which the information is given. She didn't participate in them. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't tell her side of the story. Right. So now they're just going off of what Joel Schwartz is telling them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's weird because Pam this, Pam that, right? Right. And stuff. Um. So, yeah. Unfortunately, she was not painted in great light. So, Russ's second trial, he's found not guilty. Right. Mm. So now the double jeopardy comes into play. He can't be charged for the murder again. Right. Right. But that's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's fine. Um, I think everybody's probably guessing by now that I'm, I'm pretty sure Pam is the one that killed Betsy. Right. So then, um, some other things happen. Some weird things. Pam's mom, her name was Shirley Newman, okay? She was on the third floor of a independent living facility. And as you know, we've seen those. We have those up in Canada. We've seen them. Yeah. Right? That's where my mom was when Mm -hmm. she passed away. And stuff. The weird thing is, is Pam's mom was old. Okay. <laughs> like, pretty, pretty old. Right. She suffered from dementia and arthritis. Right. So, in 2013, on October 29th, 
right? And so just in comparison to when Betsy died, right? Betsy died December 27th of 2011. So this is almost two years later, right? Pam had been over visiting her mom. And before she left, okay, she says to them, Mom's down for the night. Don't expect her for dinner. And don't expect for her, her for breakfast tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> it's a little weird, right? Um, yeah, so it wasn't... This is what I think is kind of weird, but maybe this is just me. Because it is independent living. Right. And, uh... As we know, like, in my mom's situation, when she passed away, it took a couple days. Yeah. So, I guess, perhaps there aren't people coming by to check. But it wasn't until 2.30 the next day, um, a housekeeper found Pam's mom, Shirley, dead. Mm. Here's the weird thing. Okay. So, Shirley had a balcony. Okay. And it had aluminum railings, like, in between the, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm really enjoying, like, the hand movements <laughs> and that nobody else seems to see that. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, like, railings that, like, so you've got your top piece and then you've got, like, your bottom piece and then you've got the rails, right? You're right. Okay. So that you don't, like... Just fall. Just fall. Right, yeah. Those were broken. Oh. Out. From the inside. From the inside. Okay. And Shirley was on the ground. Right. So it looks, it would appear she fought, fell. Right. Um. Like off the balcony. Like, not just off the balcony, though, through the balcony. Right. Right. Okay. But what's weird is when... They did an autopsy on her. They found, she, like, she was on medications, right? Mm -hmm. So they found a sedative in her blood, but it wasn't the normal dose. It was eight times oh, wow. <laughs> the normal dose. <laughs> Sorry, the face you made. <laughs> because I'm just like, how? Yeah, that's pretty... I understand she suffered from dementia, and don't get me wrong, I don't suffer from that, and I take, like, medications that I have to take daily, and there are some times where I'm like, did I take this? Did I take that? I don't remember, so I guess I'm not going to, and either I didn't take it today or whatever, yeah, right? right. But Pam was there. <laughs> right. And said she was good for the night, so that would insinuate that Pam helped her with her medication. That's right. what I would and think. and would have seen her... Taken eight times the amount of right. what she would normally take. <laughs> if you're taking eight, seven pills over what you're supposed to take, there's a problem, yeah. right? And stuff. Um, so basically it was concluded that she had blunt force trauma to her chest and that that was from the fall and that's what killed her. Right. Amazingly, it wasn't the eight times sedative in her system, which I don't fully understand because 
sedatives are like a depressant on your system, right? So I feel like it would make you not breathe, like make your chest heavy, yeah. that kind of thing. But so yeah, um, it was, it was ruled as an accident. So here's the thing, okay? She would have had to have been running and tripped mm -hmm. to fly through that. Right. But they also did a test With on... eight times the sedative. <laughs> With eight times system. the sedative as an older woman. I'm right. not saying older women can't run. I mean, I'm, I'm like in my 30s and running is like someone's <laughs> chasing me or there's a good good fucking donut down the road <laughs> like that's how I'm running uh, <laughs> um but Dateline did an experiment they went to like a, I don't know if it was like a fabricator or someone who makes balconies or mm. whatever right but they took like the same kind of thing and they laid it on the ground so and the guy did the math so she would have gone through at her height and weight and whatever with the exertion of she was running, it would have been like a 400 pound hit at most to that balcony railing. Right. When they did the test, they put over 2000 pounds. Jeez. I believe on this and it didn't break. Hmm. Right. So like, it's just weird and, it, and it's suspicious. Right. Yeah. And it's, what's weird too is, and again, they showed this in the TV show, and I don't know if it was actually something that she said. But she had said something when Betsy died and she was being questioned that was like, well, if I wanted money, like my mom's life insurance is worth way more than Betsy's would have been. It's just like a weird comment, right? Mm -hmm. And stuff. So anyway, um, I just wanted to mention that death because... It's weird. Um, it is weird. It is weird. So now, unfortunately, Betsy's daughters lost their civil suit against Pam. Because nothing was in writing from Betsy saying that she wanted the money to go to her daughters, right? So right. unfortunately, like no will. Or any, yeah. yeah, and so unfortunately, the only thing that they could go off of, the only legal document they could go off of, was the life insurance, which put Pam as the beneficiary, right? Yeah. So that was, that's really a bummer, right? Um, so I just want to tighten this timeline up a little bit, right? So Russ gets his second trial in 2015, right? In November, on November 7th of 2015, his... Uh, conviction was overturned, right? Mm -hmm. After serving almost four years. Sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it wasn't life to 30, so I guess that's good. For, yeah. I mean, that is for sure if he was indeed not the one who did it. Yeah. No, definitely, right? And stuff. And I do know that at one point, Joel Schwartz filed a complaint against Leah Askley, right? It doesn't sound like anything came of that, but I do think she was also, her conduct was brought under review during that trial, right? 
Okay, so here's another weird thing. Okay, so 2016, August 16th, this woman is outside of her house, right? And, oh, Kathy. Sorry, Kathy was the name of the producer. I just oh, found okay. it. I just found it. Sorry. Not I mean, Car- you were close. I was close, but not Karen. Not Carol. Not Carol, Kathy. <laughs> right. And, like, this is how obsessed Pam was with this. When, sorry, I'll get back to the lady outside of her house um, in a second. Um, when she won that civil trial, her and her husband legitimately looked like they were skipping out of court and she waves at a cameraman and says say hi to Kathy yeah that's why it was kind of important to me that I got the name right because that plays into what's about to happen now okay okay so this woman standing outside of her place and a lady drives up and says hey I work for Dateline. My name's Kathy. We want to record some like voiceover things. If you come with me, I'll pay you a thousand bucks to do it. Right. And the lady, like she doesn't even have her shoes on. Her door is not locked, but she's like, what the shit? Right. This was Kathy saying this to her has no shoes or the person inside has no shoes. The lady standing outside of her house has no shoes. Okay. And Kathy drives up. Kathy from Dateline drives up. Kathy from Dateline. Okay. (laughs) I'm doing air quotes, sorry. (laughs) Um, Drives up and says, hey, we're doing this. I'll give you a thousand bucks. So without thinking, the lady kind of just hops in the vehicle with Kathy. And is like, oh, okay. But something's off and something's weird. Right. So she says, oh, actually, can we go back? Like, I don't even have my shoes on. Left my door unlocked, right? So she goes back and she calls 911. Hmm. Right? So Kathy takes off. And she's like, yeah, it's really weird. This lady... Lady named uh, Kathy from Dateline wanted to... I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Right? (sighs) Meanwhile... This breaks my heart. I'm sorry. I just need to take a second because it actually breaks my heart. There was a man by the name of Louis Gumpenberger. And he was a resident of Union, Missouri. He had been in a car accident in 2005 and he left him with some um, mental and physical disabilities. Right. So... All of a sudden, at around 12, there's a 911 call that comes through. So, at 12, but when? Sorry, on August uh, 16th. Right. And it's Pam. She calls him. She calls 911. 911. Okay, gotcha. I'm I'm, I'm Sorry. Maybe I'm making this a little confusing, right? No, no, no. You're good. I'm just making sure I got all my my ducks in a row. (laughs) No, that's fine. So, yeah, Pam calls 911. And she's like, there was an intruder. 
you need to send someone, right? And we're going to dissect this 911 call a little bit in a bit, in a minute. But, and so then she's like, oh my God, I have to shoot him. And shoots him. Pam says that to the 911 operator. Yes. <laughs> okay. And shoots him. So the cops show up not realizing that they're showing up to Pam Huff's house. They think they're showing up to Pam Huff, 2F's okay. house. So when they realize it's Pam Huff's house, they're like, oh, shit. Right. But what's weird is they find on the body of Lewis a paper that's like, gotta kidnap Pam, gotta get Russ's money. Right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Weird. A lot of weird things going on with this whole thing. <laughs> right? <sighs> so, they also find $900 on him. Right. Who carries $900 cash? I don't know. Not me. I wish, man, right? <laughs> <laughs> if, if I had $900 in cash to carry around, I still wouldn't do it, but I'd be happy about it. <laughs> right? I will put all that in my bank. Mm-hmm. But something's off about her story. So they asked to hear, I think the cops asked to hear the 911 call again or whatever. And it's like, she doesn't know. When you call 911, it starts recording the minute it starts ringing. Hmm. As soon as it starts ringing, it's recording. But here's the weird thing. So she's being attacked. Someone's breaking into her home, right? There's no noise until the 911 operator put, picks up the phone. Mm. And I'm not joking you. This is how it sounded. Help. Help. Send somebody. Mm. There's an intruder. It's almost as good of acting as Amber Heard. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just bad acting. Right. So she tells the cops that she got home from doing her running around and there was a truck, pickup truck, parked down a little ways. She couldn't really fully make out the driver, but it looked like a silhouette and someone with a beard. And then Lewis hops out of the vehicle and he comes run into her vehicle, right? And he opens the door and he has a knife and he says, you're going to take me to get Russ's money. Meanwhile, the truck is sped off, Right. And so she karate chops him or flings the <laughs> knife, right, or whatever, and stuff, and gets the, like, gets away. And she runs into the house, and she runs upstairs, she locks the door, she runs upstairs to grab her gun, and that's when she calls 911, right? Hmm. Now, another weird thing about, and so then she ends up shooting him, as you hear on the 911 call, Right. Another weird thing about this is that there was a weird piece of carpet that was, like, cut out and just perfectly placed where she shot Lewis. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know if the police searched her bedroom because she said she went up there to get, like, her gun. So they just... Covering ins- their bases. Right. And stuff. And especially because, like, this is Pam Hupp and they know that... Some odd things surrounding her. Yeah. And stuff. But what's weird is they find a $100 bill in her nightstand. Do you know why that's weird? 
Because the serial numbers perfectly match the nine that were in Lewis's pocket. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, like, doesn't happen. <laughs> right. So they... Plus, they're just looking at this. So he's got physical disabilities and mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it sounds like he wasn't able to hold the knife even correctly. She's talking about him running up to the vehicle and, like, flinging the door open and hopping in. He wasn't capable of that. Right. On top of that, they had cell phone records that showed that she was in his neighborhood. Like, less than an hour before the shooting. Hmm. And that she was there for, like, four minutes or something. Right. It was just, they also, the knife that they found in her vehicle, first off, was from the Dollar Tree. Only sold at the Dollar Tree. Mm -mm. Secondly, Pam stored her knives in her house a certain way. So in between her stove and the counter, there was like a space. And she would take her knives and handle up. She would put her knives in those that space. Okay. That's exactly how the knife was found in her vehicle between the seat mm. and the thing. Out of habit. Yeah. Or subconscious. So she was arrested and charged with first degree murder, I do believe. Um of Lewis. So, one of the things, I sorry, I misspoke earlier. It wasn't on the same day that Lewis died. The lady, Carol Alford, the one with the no shoes, mm-hmm. that happened on the 10th, so five days earlier. And, she, like I said, she had called 911. Well, they had investigated it, and it turned out it wasn't Kathy from Dateline. It was Pam. <laughs> right? And... It sounds like she didn't just approach um, Carol and Lewis, but she may have actually approached another person as well Hmm. about this. So, yeah, she's being charged with Lewis's death, right? And it's it's weird because she told the cops, like, she didn't know Russ at first, right? And stuff. But Russ, who was not even in the state, flew back and with Joel, his lawyer, he went in, he was terrified, I'm surely imagining, just because of what had happened previously mm-hmm. and stuff. But they checked everything. They took handwriting samples, like, um, checked all his, like, financial stuff to see that he wasn't in town and whatever. And they let him go. Like, they were like, we don't think he had anything to do with this, right? So... <clears throat> Pam, when she was arrested on August 23rd of 2016, they arrest her, they bring her down, they're questioning her. They leave the room, right? Because she says, I'm not going to talk to you. Hmm. So she just signs something that says, yeah, you read me my rights, right? They leave. 
All of a sudden, she spies on the table a pen that was left there. She does this weird move. I'm going to show you the move, and then I'll explain it. <laughs> okay, so let's say this is the pen. That's a little big for a pen, I guess. That's like a screwdriver. <laughs> this is the pen, right? This is her water bottle. She goes... <laughs> Sneaky grabs. <laughs> Sneaky grabs. <laughs> okay, so what I did is basically I slid my water bottle towards the pen. And then I used my arm to cover the pen. And then I slid it back. Mm -hmm. Sneaky grabs. <laughs> then she puts the pen in her pants. Like okay. this. Then she goes and knocks on the door and says, I need to go to the washroom. So they escort her to the bathroom. But, like, I don't think anyone goes in with her because, like, it's kind of weird. Right. Mm. Well, she's not coming out. Um, so they go into the bathroom. And she has used the pen to stab herself in the neck and wrists. Mm. In an an attempted suicide, right? Um, yeah, nobody, I don't know, the, it wasn't, she wasn't seriously injured. We'll put it that way. Okay. Right. So her bail was set for $2 million. And she couldn't make it, right? Mm -hmm. So, January 31st, 2017, she pleads not guilty. In March, prosecutors say that they're going to actually go after her for the death penalty. Now, I say that that way because there's not a lot of women on death row. Right. There aren't a lot of women who have been executed mm -hmm. in the U.S., Right. Um, they wanted to also present some evidence about Shirley's death at this trial. But the judge ruled, no, it's inadmissible. It's, it doesn't, there's nothing that shows a connection here. Right. Mm -hmm. So, The next month, though, they did rule that they could show some evidence from Betsy's murder. Right. Um, so in 2018, Pam's trial was set for June of 2019. Right. That's a long time to wait. <laughs> because she was arrested on tw in 2016. They're going through all this stuff, and her trial will be in June of 2019. Almost, I mean, that's almost three years later, right? So, <clears throat> this is one of the things, I guess I get why they have it, but it's weird to me. So, she, she didn't plead guilty, and she didn't plead innocent. Mm 
Okay. Have you ever heard of an Alford plea? So an Alford plea is essentially a plea that allows you to maintain your innocence, but say that you know that the prosecution has enough evidence that they that you will most likely be found guilty. It's weird. <laughs> because I'm like, well, why don't you just say you're innocent and go to trial? Like, I don't feel like you necessarily get, like, well, sometimes you get a better deal if you plead Alford. Most times you do. Like, um, in this case, for example, they took the death penalty off the table. So she did the Alford plea. And she was just sentenced to life in prison without parole. Hmm. Right. So, yeah. She claimed that she took the Alford plea so her family wouldn't have to go through, like, a trial, right, and stuff. Um... That she was found guilty of a wrongful death in a wrongful death suit filed by Lewis's mother, where she was supposed to pay her three million dollars. <laughs> Unfortunately, and I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Lewis's mother probably knew that she was not going to probably receive much money from him or from her, from Pam. Um, I think it was more that she wanted that out there, like she was responsible for his death. Right. right. Because the Alford plea allows her to maintain her innocence, which is weird. Um, so in September of 2020, Pam and her husband got divorced. And, or I guess they, he filed for it. And then in 2022, they got divorced. And yeah, she tried to get her conviction vacated claiming that they like pressured her to like take that Alford plea and the courts were like ah yeah go fuck yourself nah <laughs> right and stuff so they kind of give you an update on everyone at the end of this show right mm -hmm. which is kind of nice right so you get to kind of find out what happens with Russ what happens with Betsy's daughters um It does say at the end of the show that there's a new prosecutor in Troy and that he has reopened Shirley's case and is also look, still looking into Betsy's case to see if he can get enough evidence to charge Pam. Hmm. Yes. I believe that's the platform he ran on. Hmm. Pam is guilty. Let's get her. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of thing. But yeah, so that's the crazy case of Pam. Hmm. Like, she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some odd um, connections there that kind of make you go, mm -hmm. pretty sure that she's cuckoo buggy and she, <laughs> as my grandma says when she calls crazy people, it's cuckoo buggy. Um, she just thought, I feel like she thought she was so smart, right? Like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dip Russ's slippers in that blood. 
I mean, unfortunately, she did get him in prison wrongfully. Yeah, that's baffling. For four years. <laughs> that's so baffling. I feel bad for Russ. I feel bad for Betsy's mom. I feel bad for her daughters and all mm-hmm. their family. I feel bad for Lewis's mother mm-hmm. and his family. I feel, you know what? I'll even go so far as to say I feel bad for Pam's family. Like, she, she fucked over so many people's lives with the shit that she did. Yeah. Right. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's sad. I I do always feel sorry for people of the family of murderers. Like, you know, their lives are affected by it, too. And I don't think that's fully, maybe, I have heard it mentioned on some podcasts, so that's kind of good. But yeah, like, before when I used to watch things, you didn't really hear too much about that. About how it made, like, the murderer's family feel. And and I think, I think it's good to remember that they're victims as well, you know, in the situation. Maybe not the same as the family of the murder victims, right? But they're still victims. Like, that, that family member that, committed those murders still violated their trust right and stuff and i feel like that they carry that with them and the as guilt a, as an association yes with that person whether they raised them whether they were married, know, to, them. married to them whatever the yeah. case may be that association will follow them or at least in their mind it will follow them too absolutely and i i know that there was um i can't remember he was a long-haul trucker keith jesperson i think think was his name and I believe he had a daughter or a couple children but his daughter went around and actually talked to the family members some of the victims and like apologized to them which was very kind of her I don't think she needed to do like I don't think it was I don't think she was apologizing for herself because obviously she didn't do anything wrong but she was apologizing that like she didn't know this about her father, that her father did these things, right? But she was also a child when her father did these things. So, I mean, I don't think she could have done... I mean, she obviously couldn't have done anything, No, right? she couldn't have. But I think part of that can be just like, you know, I'm sorry for your family. Yes. I'm sorry that this happened to you. And, you know, even helping her move past it too, right? Yes. And I think that's that was the whole purpose of it, was to help her move past it, but also to hopefully help the families of the victims, right, mm-hmm. move past, I mean, not, not that they'll ever move past it, but you know I, what I mean. I, I, you know, find some sort of peace with it. Well, yeah, whatever peace they can absolutely yeah. find, yeah, and stuff, but yeah, I highly recommend, highly recommend watching the Dateline episodes, listening to the podcast if you're a podcast listener, and if you're not watch the thing about Pam. Like, it's on Stack TV right now. hmm And it was really good. I highly recommend it. Yeah, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I gotta put that on my list. <laughs> I gotta put it on... There was also that other one, too, that I... The girl about... The girl from something or other? Oh, the girl from Plainsville. Yeah, yeah, that one. I haven't seen that one yet. But I do believe that's also based on a true story. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well... Now that, you know, I've learned about Pam, Pam and her and her story and, and the tragedies that she caused and 
That's sad. Yeah, definitely. And I hope she rots in jail. <laughs> yeah. People, you know, at least she's got caught for one. You yeah. Know? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, again, I think she was the type of person, especially, like you said, she, she did get rust in jail for four years. So I feel like she just thought she was like a good old fucking pro. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, yeah, I I'm got this shit. This. I right. it on someone else. And... and then she was also the idiot who, thankfully, um, had sequential bills. And they were able to tell that, hey, those nine bills belong with that one bill, you fucking tool. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to, obviously don't. No. Commit crime. Don't <laughs> In do any it. Way. But, like, it, it surprises me that so, so many people, like, from all of the different shows, like, yes. the true crime shows that I see... Like, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty, but, like, sometimes when you just, like, it's like, how did you not think of that? Like, that, oh, I don't know, just, the way that some people are caught just makes me kind of, it's like, you know, you someone's, deserve out, it. someone's out there looking out for the people that you've harmed, and yes. it's going to come for you. Um, and it's funny that you say that, because a lot of people at my work joke that, like, oh, you know, you've listened to so much true crime. Ha, ha, ha. Right. And I'm like, dudes, I have curly hair and shed like a dog. Do you think I'm ever going to get away with anything? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I could, like, dexter it up in one of those suits, an HVAC suit, and I'd still somehow leave a fucking hair lying around because... That's just how my head is. Well, and it's just so fascinating that in this day and age that there are so many ways to identify someone. Yes. Being in a, in a place. Yeah. Right? Like phone records. You got like DNA, like, you know, witness accounts, of course, which has always been a thing. But um, the, uh, now there's um, surveillance, right? Like that's what. Surveillance, yeah. They had Pam on surveillance. That's how they knew mm-hmm. for sure it was her because it was her vehicle outside of Carol's place. Right. Um, I also read a, um, uh, that they're, it's not admissible yet, um, but I was reading about a thing that they're trying to implement is um, studying people's walk cycles because each and every person um, has their own gait, I guess yeah. that you can say. And they're trying to study, put a credible study, I guess, is the best words I can think of at the moment, to be able to associate based on surveillance, if they can't always see their face because sometimes people wear masks or whatever like that, if they can get their gait and match someone's gait. And they were using, like, an animation program to kind of um, do that. And I was like, that's so interesting. It would be interesting if that ever came about. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I mean, that might be a little harder one to do because I think switching your gait can be easy. Right. Yeah. But... As we've learned, criminals are stupid. So. <laughs> yeah. It would it would definitely be a hard thing to do, for sure. It's kind of similar. Yeah. Not exactly similar, but similar to, like, the lie detector test, because someone could fail it, and they're actually telling the truth, right? Or and, vice like, versa. Yeah. yeah. And, and the gate thing could be difficult if they know that they're being tested for it, right? But they might not know. Maybe they don't. Like, the thing about cameras, too, is they're so small nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right. And they have been for quite a while. Uh, Years ago, my father used to actually install 
um, security systems. He was a like Oxmith security system guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those cameras, like you could like stick the camera in a clock. Yeah. And it was so small that it would be like, you wouldn't really notice it in the clock. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, um, yeah, just because of how small the camera was. Right. Yeah. It just became almost looked like it was a part of the clock. And I'm just using that as an example. I'm sure that was years ago and stuff. I was a child, but like, you know, there's so many different things nowadays, mm-hmm. right? That you might not even know you're on camera. Yeah. Well, and that would be like, you know, if they had it outside the police station and or, or like in yeah. most places I find they have a lot of surveillances outside of buildings. They could, um, what is it called when you, not a warrant, but kind of like that where you can get the recording. Oh, like you could request like the recording. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like say they lived in this apartment building and there was recordings on the outside. It's like, I request that because they weren't pretending to walk a certain way. They're just walking how they would normally walk. Right. So you would, you know, could compare those two or, or more different scenarios. And you make a good point, too, because surveillance is becoming so prevalent nowadays. It's not the same, like, here by any means as it is in, like, the UK. Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking for here. So let's say somebody committed a crime and then they walk three blocks using a different gate just in case. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, ah, this is annoying. I just want to walk normal. And I'm far enough away from the crime scene now. And then they just start walking normal. Well, maybe there's enough surveillance around that they can actually keep an eye on them mm-hmm. to the point where they switch back to their normal gate. So, I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. It it, it would need a lot of work. For yeah. Sure, to make it 100% credible. Yeah. But I definitely think, you know, whatever you can do. I mean... That's the thing. Listen, wow, that was a weird <laughs> whatever there. Sorry. Um, what I was trying to say is I listen to true crime all the time, right? Hmm. And there's the two hosts, both named Mike. So one is Mike and one is Gibby. <laughs> and Mike often says if if it was earlier in like time like the 50s maybe or whatever yeah maybe he could get away with a crime but not nowadays like there's just too much there's a lot and i i agree with him right like there are cases from like i mean there are cases now that are unsolved as well but Mm -hmm. there's a lot more from the past i think right because it's just it's so easy nowadays well even plant evidence i've seen in certain cases too where they've like oh well we've put you in the scene, this scene where you said you weren't, but you clearly were because we got the DNA from this plant from the thing that we yeah. found in your truck and compared the DNA and it's similar, yep. right? It's like, that's so interesting. And like certain shoe prints, like sand, sand too. Like it's, it's, you'd have to consider literally everything. everything. <laughs> it's good because then more people can be get caught Yeah, for doing these horrible things that they're doing. Exactly. So. It's interesting, anyway. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps that up. So, I'm trying to think. <laughs> A dangerous pastime. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> I know. Anytime anyone says that, I always think of Beauty and the Beast. That's funny. <laughs> um. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Or me. Yeah. 
Thanks for. Well, I was like, mm, got some <laughs> other voices in your head. <laughs> no, just Grogu. <laughs> um. Yeah. No problem. You know. Thanks for having me. It was. Um. I mean, I unfortunately didn't have a, a lot to contribute to this, but it, it was kind of cool actually sitting back and actually learning something. So. Yeah. I'm glad I was able to tell you about it, and I do hope you watch the show because I think you'll. En- I don't know if enjoy. It. Well, yeah, enjoy it at least because. I, I, I hope so too. It's got some good actors in it, and it was definitely worth the watch. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Awesome. All right. Well, I don't remember the outro. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> some, you know, we're just going to change it up tonight. <laughs> we're going to say, keep it cool. Don't murder people. Be kind to your neighbors. <laughs> exactly. And, and don't frame people. <laughs> don't do that. Don't dip. <laughs> do not dip the slippers, guys. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, we hope you have a good week. We will be back on Tuesday for our regular episode. And yeah, then we'll have our special episode at the end of the month again. So cool. I don't know how to end this. Peace out. Bye. Bye.